right, welcome to Defy the Norm, episode 81. It is the 2-2-22 portal, and we are going to get deep and spiritual in this episode. So let's go. I think you're going to like it. To inspire you to boldly and unapologetically live outside the box, dream big, and question everything. This is the Defy the Norm podcast with nomads with a purpose. All right, you guys. Hey, welcome. So today we're going to talk about why you shouldn't know your Enneagram because it just doesn't matter because in the end, what you need to know is your astrology. So we start, we always start with like explaining to people like, oh, you know, Enneagram is a simple way. It's like putting it in simple terms. And if you know Victor, that's his gift. He's very good at speaking in layman's terms. I, I'm not so good at that. Like, I, I'm i basically an alien from another planet. <laughs> star and that's seed. okay. Starseed. Like, yeah. Or, yeah, starseed, seed, whatever. It's uh, like we're trying. I'm trying my best. Okay? I'm trying my best. In fact, by the way, today is 2-2-22. Two, two. Two, two, I'm just saying, I think I led a pretty good meditation. I, med- I lead meditations with my clients every day. And it's crazy because every time I lead a meditation, it makes me cry. Like I make myself cry when I do med- when I lead meditations. How weird is that? But so it's not like I'm cold and heartless. Like you know, maybe I what? get boxed in by some by my husband. But what? It's like there's this there's this approachability that maybe I don't necessarily have. I definitely know because of my cognitive functions or how my brain works that I jump like a lot of dots. I'm connecting a lot of dots. You know, if you follow David Icke on every Friday, he has his dot connector. Yeah, that's me. I'm like, A, C, M, Z. All right. Why don't you wait? And, and I'm and I'm used to like. Victor's like a, a, maybe B, <laughs> occasionally C. Yeah. If you can't explain it to a kindergarten, you don't have a grasp of the information. So. And so sometimes it's just that. That would just take too long to get there. And even in our normal dialogue, sometimes you're like at. Z and I'm like, dude, I have no idea how you got there. But be honest, like if I can make it to E or F, you're pretty much lost. Yeah, what is that? That's obsolete, right? That's the, but yes. But yes. Um, by the way, real quick, it's two twenty two two twenty two. If you didn't happen to check our uh, meditation and breath work and dialogue about that on making mindfulness fun, you should definitely check that out. I think it was uh, powerful. pretty powerful, and I really do think that uh as a maybe star seed trying to explain things in terms in relevant terms that if somebody is not awake to what's going on there's a good chance at this point they are never going to be awake and if you are awake I, i can't imagine somebody listening to this not being awake but possibly possibly if you if everything that you know you're holding on to with a really tight grip 
and it doesn't seem to be working, it might be time to just let go of the rope and and see where it goes because like I can feel it. I can't, again, I can't describe it. I'm horrible about like putting it in layman terms to describe it, but I can just feel it. Like the, the slingshot effect that we're about to go through is going to be slightly scary, but really good in the long run. Like really, like soulfully good. Like you look at the world and like, they're, they're, everyone's hurting, everyone's struggling. And this whole idea of that. But everyone is pretending like, I got this. Maybe, yeah. There's yeah, quite it a depends bit of that. who you're like, who or they're telling like strangers that, or people they're not close to. But then the people close to them are like, I can't get through my day. I don't know. Like the the fact is, is the idea of well, if you do the meditation, I you know I really was intentional in like deciding how I was going to word this this meditation, and the idea of equanimity is so, uh, it's just so repulsive to me because it's not like we need it's not like we need everybody to be handed out a quality what we need is equal self-worth we need equal opportunity to step into our own self and a world where it lets you a world where okay for example let's go to back to Enneagram and the fact that Victor and I have horrible time communicating because my brain functions as a type 8 E-N-T-J, meaning like big ideas, systems, efficiency. Let's see the big picture. And Victor is very is type two. He wants to help. He's he thinks about his memories and his feelings and um or other people's feelings actually. And, yeah. and, and you know, he's it it is it's not unequal, it's just a different way of looking at the world. There needs to be a world where he can thrive as well as I can thrive. And I do think that we can get to that. The hard thing is we can't really get to that in this world right now. Like we're in Lander and I, I walk through, we go to the bar and we go to the gym and the grocery store and in the climbing gym or the climbing store. And I, I look at the people around me and think like, what do they have to look forward to sometimes? But then at the same time, there's a small enough community that I think, oh, if stuff goes down, if, you know, we, we, we're going to have this period of time where we're going to be probably stuck where we are. We're going to, I do, I think at least, I think there will be a point where we cannot cross state borders. Yeah, and I think we're, we're alluding to inflation, deflation, like as a, what control. of those is going to happen? I mean, I think just totalitarian control. We see what's happening in Canada. Yeah. I, they're definitely going to push it to that point. The thing is, they're not going to win, but they have to point, push it to that point people for people push. who are stuck in a grind of unhappiness, but yet so fearful they want it to like stay that way for protection, are going to wake up to say like, oh yeah, wait, this doesn't work. So my point being like, I see, I see how sometimes, some points where people aren't necessarily thriving, but what I do also see simultaneously, if we were shut out and this community had to come together, it would do so, so fast. This community would, would, be helping each other there would be community gardens there would be like it, it would look like stone soup if you have never read the book stone soup that's what i see in the world right now that's exactly it. like i'm in lander and i think oh man there's people like food's expensive and i mean it's three degrees out for goodness sake <laughs> and it's hard but like it's it's that it's that hard that makes you so resilient and it's that hard 
that makes you realize how capable you are. Mm. And I come from San Diego, and while San Diego's beautiful and beautiful people, you know, when you're in that city, you're used to instant gratification. I don't like this brewery. Well, no big deal. There's a hundred others. I don't like this fast food. Don't worry. There's a hundred others. I don't like this temperature. Don't worry. It'll be 70, 360 more days. You have to tolerate 50 for five days. Get over it. Like, you're just so used to... And actually, this just past the, the highest rent in the entire country, San Diego. <laughs> and we don't even catch ourselves that we're like... That, we're, that we've enslaved ourselves to think like, well, I'll just pay more rent because the temperature is 70 year round and I have so many choices. And you know, you have to be able to step back for a second and think like, hmm, can we maintain this? Can, can life maintain this idea of I'll just, I'll just pay more and I get instant gratification, like I'll suffer for ease. That's a weird, it's a weird uh, mindset to be stuck in, but I think it's very prevalent. I'll suffer for ease. It's like nobody steps back to think about, wait, 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 why, why am I, yeah. So I, I, I think what we're alluding to is the, this antiquate, this system that a, quite a few of us are grow, grow up in, it's not working. And not only that, like we are at the cusp of this thing going like, 180 degrees the other way, right? Oh, for sure. Right, right. So like, you know, this system where you, okay, you, you grow up, you go to good, you get good grades so that you can go to college and you have a job so you can get a mortgage payment so you can work your whole life so that you can retire at 65, 70 and enjoy the last bit of your life. Like that, that is not working. And I remember my dad saying, you know, oh, you just got to work hard, Victor. And I'm like, no, dad, this is not the same thing. The rate at which they've increased inflation has literally stolen the money that I've earned and the amount of money that it takes for me to per to purchase said house and have a living is a whole lot different as a percentage from when you were growing up. And so whilst you were able to, you know, be a welder and provide for your family, which again, I don't see that like you were still slave to that system. Um, it still was able to provide your family. And now you have people that are, you know, grad, Ivy League graduates who, are, who can't get a job and are going into, like, there's so much college debt that they're never going to get out of, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm a, my natural instinct goes to, like, he's not even saying that because he didn't even provide. His wife had to work just as much and he's never been happy. He, But my my thing would be, like, he lived for the weekend and I think that becomes a problem when you're when like we should be in a society it's my idealism but we should be in a society where we can work and play every single day where we can have part of our day where we're, we're working and providing for our family provide I mean come on let's think we want the, providing the necessities but also being able to enjoy and recreate and self-nurture every single day that's the only thing that I comes down to is like when we live this lifestyle, it's because I know, okay, I get to wake up, I work for a few hours, then I go out and enjoy nature, and then I come back and I work for a few hours, and we have a slow pace to enjoy our dinner together. There has to be this this um, balance between the two, and quite honestly, like before the um, 
before the third industrial revolution, now I won't know the exact years to put this on, but you got to understand like before that, when in the early 1900s, when they established the school system, it was because they needed to create workers. Like, right, we had this time in history where families just worked their land and, and traded. And, and so all of a sudden we needed factory workers. And so the school system literally was created simultaneously to dumb down the population so that they could have factory workers fill these cog jobs. And we've been stuck in that for a hundred years. But there was a whole span of humanity where we didn't live like this. And there's no way, I mean, we're, we can fear AI and I definitely think like singularity concept is like, in our it's pretty scary yeah. and coming. But, you know, with enough awakened souls, maybe there, maybe there's a... Maybe there's a silver lining. Maybe there's something that great that comes out of it. But we definitely we can agree <laughs> that there's no way that my kids will raise kids who stay in school to go to college. Like the whole concept of you go to school to go to college to get a good good job, like that's going to be gone. That's not what the... That is not what it's going to look like in 2035. Do, do you remember the statistic when we talked about that the jobs that our children have haven't even, will no, have, they're, they're or not, have not even makes, been created? Correct. Right? There's no way. The jobs, and I see it. My kids are in that transition period. Um, I'm really glad that we didn't do traditional school because even to be competitive in the creativity field of being an entrepreneur or being an influencer takes so much effort and you have to stay relative constantly oh. relative so that part's its own beast well you know if they if they were going to go to college right now that would be crazy because i think like unless unless they're going to become like so high up in the um engineering sure. like if you're the one designing the robots if they have the desire for that i would absolutely none of my kids have the desire to to see science and mathematics at that high of level so I didn't necessarily push it. I do think, though, if I had a kid that was, like, extremely, like, driven towards that stuff, then I would absolutely push them, too. But I don't even know if I'd push them to college. I'd just be like, work under some of the top uh, geniuses in the world. I wanted to touch a little bit on that when you said that, the most powerful thing. And, you know, I, I'd like to think I had – I always talk a little bit about, about parenting. And I'm like, what, what's the best thing I, I did as a parent is, is pick my wife. Or to let her be. <laughs> so, you know, one of the most powerful things that Robin integrated that I think why my children are different is you had them read happier. Well, we did. A, I did a whole class on that. Right, right. When but, they were like 11 years old. Right. But but go into that because I think you have children and I think it's important. I try to tell it to you all the time. So, so happier. It's true. I'm just joking. But I'm joking. See me laughing right now. So happier is a book by Tal... Ben Tal Shahar, Tal mm -hmm. Ben Shahar. I can't remember. Ben, ben Tal, Tal Shahar. He he was a college professor, and keep in mind, like this was almost twenty years ago. The world's changed a lot, but nobody's taken. Not enough people have taken note of this. Some have though. Some have been really good about it. Um, the idea that you've got present and future happiness. And she's you're gonna make me. I'm gonna have to no, pull it up. The, the Present and future um, gratification. Okay, so think about if you're on social media, um, you know, or I mean, come on, I'm not. 
guilty of I'm guilty of dopamine rushes too. Like I love going and disconnecting, having my beer every night or a glass of wine and whatever. We're addicted to dopamine rushes. But there's a space where we can allow that dopamine rush for instant gratification or for present happiness. And there's a point where we have to be able to monitor that so that we have future happiness. And if honestly, like my gener- our generation, you know, Gen X, I feel like we are at the cusp. Our parents were all about the, put the- Delayed gratification. Delayed gratification, yeah. No instant gratification. That's what he, Victor was alluding to. Like his dad was saying, like, just, just work hard and eventually sacrifice, you get to sacrifice, like relax. Sacrifice. Work hard, eventually you get to relax. And it's like, like, okay, great. Now you're relaxed, but you are not happy. Like, yeah, some of those challenges that I faced, my take home message, I remember talking to my mom about work when we owned Island Tumble. And then she's like, if you know, never turn away a client, Victor, you just keep working. And I was thinking to myself, man, I'm, she has no idea how wiped out I am. What, what energy, but she was never say no to it. And, never say no to money. And I mean, that honestly is why Victor ended up with adrenal exhaustion. Yeah. Um, so some of those challenges, and then the difference is, you know, they're not, they were never running their own business. And so they doesn't, they don't, they didn't know that they, my mom worked at a bank. My father was a, was a pipe welder at the shipyards. Um, and so they clocked in and clocked out. Literally, they did not have to think about their work when they left. And, and so the quality and the intensity of which I worked was truthfully a lot higher because I wanted to make sure that customer came back. And obviously, like, it left me with bad adrenal exhaustion. But going back to Bell, the, the happier. Well, I mean, in side note, that was a re- that is still a really hard thing that Victor and I battle because he was instilled that programming by saying, like, you take whatever money you can that's instilling a program that you're not you're not capable of generating new leads. You're not capable of attracting money. You're, you're desperate. Like the desperation mindset that that instilled is something that we probably hit heads about almost every day because I'm always, I'm on the other end where I go, well, well, what are you passionate about? Well, like what, like I always, of course, as a type eight, I always feel capable. That doesn't mean I'm always like the most monetarily successful person because that doesn't necessarily align with my joy of what I was talking about with um, that book, Happier, in the sense that you have to be able to look at your life every day over the span of a month, over the span of a year, over the span of a decade, and be like, how can I balance instant happiness while simultaneously working towards future happiness? And I guess maybe that's something that, that was easy that for key. me to see. That is key though. From like, I don't know, all my life, I've always can manage that. It doesn't necessarily make me the, like I said, it doesn't make me like the most monetarily successful person, but it makes me very intrinsically happy. And so to be able to, to every day wake up and have that dance with like, all right, I'm going to put my best efforts forward. I'm going to do everything I can. I'm going to think dynamically, but at the same time, at some point in the day, probably about five o'clock, I'm just going to go and enjoy the next three hours. I'm going to make it a really amazing meal and record a podcast. Apparently. Dude, this is so (laughs) fun to be able to, to go back and forth a little bit and share some of it. So, you know, 
if you have, I wanted to touch base just a little bit on that. It's really, really important to start understanding what programs you're running, especially with money. And I have a ton of it. You know, one of the biggest things is see how you feel when you think about changing um, the trajectory of your life with money. For the longest time, I never know it was enough. I just know I needed more. That's a problem. Um, Which you just nailed. Your mom said never turn down money yeah. because you always need more. Right, right. And so, so, I, so that led me to always feeling like in this fight or flight with money and work. The other thing is like we, we did have some scarcity. There were times when my dad was laid off. And so I always feared that scarcity. And it was like to not be able to buy things. And we were worried about making ends meet and bills and things are getting tight at home. So that that's another thing that created that. And then one of the biggest things is like the association with me and money. I remember being very successful in my business and being feel, feeling like I was trying to, well, let me give you a little discount. I'm thinking to myself, why am I like money was this relationship was like I wanted it, but it was bad. And people who had a lot of it, they were usually jerks. And so I don't want to be a jerk. So I don't want that money. Yeah, that was, it's, it's definitely sacral chakra. Yeah, so so keep in mind, think about how you think about money and think about what programs you might be running because those definitely get in the way. And then going ba- alluding back to why I mentioned happier with the kids is that I found it very powerful for my children. My children will know what naturally makes them happy and their lot in life and what their their passions and what they will work for. And because of that, it'll help them to really, in, they're like shining images to me oftentimes, like, wow, they have it more together than I do. Definitely, by far. Um, let me give you some specifics on that. So, because every kid is wired differently. So our son, Daniel, is, you know, type five. He's an ISTJ, which is a logistician. And he's very data-driven. It's very... He doesn't, he's, he's never, like, if he makes a ton of money as an entrepreneur, well, first, that's never going to probably happen. That's not his, that's not his highest purpose. He likes to feel useful. He likes things to be practical in his life. It's kind of weird when I think about where he ended up, the job he ended up with right now. And while it's, I mean, just an early stage job, it couldn't have ended up being a better job for him. So he ended up, uh, we have a blog that, uh, it, it, it's so crazy how life works out. And I'm going to tell this story and I want you to think really hard about like being open more to opportunities in the universe. And if you just stay true to your personality or stay true to your own self-worth and know like, cause, cause I try to explain this to Victor. He's like, wow, it's so amazing. Your kid's Learn this. I'm like, yeah, but they were instilled this for so many years. Like, right. Know, know what makes you happy. Know, and a lot of times that's just a self-reflection thing of like, wow, uh, Isabel is a type nine virtuoso, uh, ISTP, which means she's always hands-on. So I provided her an opportunity in life to constantly have a hands-on Project. She was always doing arts and crafts, drawing, playing guitar, Ukulele playing piano. Started, She's yeah. just constantly with her hands. Even her, like right now with her business, how she's, you watch her on a computer and her hands move so fast doing copy paste, copy paste, moving things around. It's quite hilarious. But the fact is, is or the point is, is that 
you get with Danny. He had this opportunity to um, have a life that was really slow paced. You know, whereas homeschooling, I mean, they did some school, but they're just so time rich. And so I gave him opportunity. I'm like, I don't, you can't play video games, but you know, make yourself, entertain yourself, find something creative. And so he started writing books. And he does good about some parts of that, but then there's always, you know, whatever thing you're good at, there's always a counterpart hangout. And his hangup was like definitely the marketing part of it and um, the some of the editing. He loved the free-flowing, getting his ideas out of his brain, but to like go back and reread and edit and get an editor and like change the storyline, it's a lot of work. You write a book, that's 10% of yeah, the time. Exactly. 90% is is rewriting well 70 percent definitely and so he he ends up or uh, we're in south dakota a few years ago and we did a uh we worked with a company that you know if you're a full-time rver you can establish residency in a couple different states very easily because if you don't have a place where you live you need to have you know which I'll tell you with common law, do you really need to have a driver's license and all that stuff? Well, okay, that's a whole nother side story. But at the time I was like, okay, I need to have residency. I don't know why, but I'm supposed to have residency. So I reach out to choosesd.com and I worked with them and I really loved them. Like they're, they're so, um, the the people were so nice and we ended up building a relationship and I write this blog, how to establish residency in South Dakota and then we're interacting. They ha- brings up after a couple months, maybe a year later. Oh well, we have this other futures business, and we need somebody to run their social media. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, Danny, you are so social media illiterate. This is gonna be, this is gonna be hilarious. Like I, I, in my head, I'm thinking like, dude, he's gonna get fired within a couple of weeks. But the point of it is like I thought, okay. I need to play to his strengths. So if you're an ISTJ, you're extremely logical. So for him, it was a matter of like acquiring information and he's really good at like analyzing what other people are doing. Point being, he's been working this job for like two years, doing a pretty good job. He runs the YouTube now. I would have never like, pegged him like you should be a social media he's like he's an introvert it's not like doesn't make sense but in this sense in this sense for this company it works perfect especially with what they were looking for and so the you really have to with with tying it back to happier it's the more mindful you can be at what makes you happy when my kid when they did that class they were like 8 11 and 12 or 11 13 um the three oldest and what they would do is they go through their day and I still tell Victor he needs to do this. They go through their day and they'd monitor everything they did and add plus marks and minus marks, you know, plus by the things you liked, wanted to do more and minus marks by the things you don't want to do. And the cool thing is you can do that. And then as a family, you can t- take up each other's like, a minus to me might be a plus to Victor. I know Probably it is. pretty highly There's likely. just not so many of them lately. But I know for some years of our marriage, there were a lot of them. And so we would be, we could, we could fill that role for each other. Um, 
it, it, now it kind of just happens intuitively, but I was thinking about how for so many years, I never had to do dishes. I hated dishes, but Danny didn't mind it. And so he kind of took over the role of doing dishes and he'd always prepare lunch for us too. He like would chop up all the salad and I really didn't want to do that in the middle of the day. I had all these other big dreams I was trying to chase. Anyways, you just end up trying to take note of the things you want more of and less. Now, the funny thing is like, if I work with clients, I try to tell them to do this all the time, but as an adult, we've become so consumed in our own like misery and suffering that people are literally like, well, I don't, oh, that's too much work to monitor my life. It's your life. It's your life work. Like you should monitor it for an entire week and take note. But I do find, and I think Victor, you find that too, like people don't, that's too much. Well, if, if, if I'm going to be really, really honest, their reluctance is linked to how, to the fear associated with the result. They don't want to stare in that mirror and go like, damn. Now there's a lot of people, once you get them and that's why kind of you take them up that, that staircase that we see like, oh, they start feeling better when they start eating right and eating a cleaning up their diet, they start having more energy. Now their head is above water so they can start reflecting. Um, but initially they're just feel like, I'm drowning here. I don't need this other task. Yeah. And like, but everyone's a little afraid to do that. Cause like, it's like, what, what happens if I find out like, maybe we'll do that sucks. on another night. The transition yeah. is really hard because I think you're like, you won't monitor your day yet. And I still think like I always tell Victor, I think that's like a massive, um, thing that he, that would make him a lot happier is if he took control of his day because naturally as a type 2 ISFJ Poof. he's just so reactive. Poof, what do you like, need? Poof, what do you need? Poof, what do you need? And so to have that sense of accountability, self accountability would be um massive would be a huge eye opener and if we've talked about numerology, he's a 325. That in essence is a lot of what a 32.5 needs to do is become more self accountable to what their day looks like and that book is huge. Go ahead. So th that journey to mindfulness, you know, I, I, Robin started doing yoga about how long ago? A l I started in 10 years 2012 ago. when yeah. right after so Tati was born. 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, to me, yoga was about stretching and like being the best at stretching. So I knew I wanted to be stronger. And so I did it that way. I never brought any mindfulness. So my mindfulness journey is way, way behind. It's only recently, especially when you look at my Enneagram, like I'm always trying to reflect on other people's feelings, not necessarily my own. Well, that my curse is that pride, right? Is that I end up being very, very angry in many ways because I assume people just know what I, what I want, especially Robin. And now what I do is, is, you know, I make time daily, multiple times a day, whether it's sitting in, sitting in silence, doing some breath work to be like, hmm, what am I feeling? And then really trying to tap in my throat chakra to like say something specific as opposed to like, I'm angry. Well, anger is a need, uh, a need not met. So I know that if I'm angry, like something else is amiss. So I encourage anyone to, to, to start that journey. There's no better day than today to start. And you know what? I'm going to start monitoring my every minute of every day for you, okay? Oh, no, for me. Yeah, do it for you. Wow. Okay, that'd be cool. That'd be awesome. 
huge, huge eye-opener when you do. I think a lot of people start, if we tell people, oh, do that, and they're drowning. And then what happens is, because most people, if you just change your diet, you stop drowning. They change your diet, they stop drowning, and they're like, oh my gosh, I feel so amazing because <laughs> I'm not drowning. And then they stop. They're like... Okay, well, yeah, I mean, the, the biggest, the best analogy is like health and wellness, um, happiness, like what you use, and I always use with my clients, and I always, and I'm going to say it again, is like stop drowning, get your head above the water, but you're still in the middle of the ocean, and you got to decide where you want to swim to. Okay, but like, is. wait, wait, don't go out, go in, like, look, we'll finish up with this analogy, because that's that's what I tell you all the time. That's not other people. That's right, right, right. What I'm saying is. That, so just repeat it in the eye sense. Yeah. So the challenge, the ch- the challenge, especially with my Enneagram, is that I am always a reflection. I want to be the helper. I want to make sure. I want to be this foundation. I want to support. But, and so that would be the head above the water position. But where where am I swimming to? Where's my goal? That has yet to really present or unfold for me as I or for me to actually make a decision right okay yes yes I'm just gonna add a layer to it to uh, translate so I don't think it's just his Enneagram because I coach few people and Victor coaches a few people and I see this uh, pattern play over and over again and I'm pretty sure a lot of people probably 95% of people feel like this to some extent So when Victor and I, you have to understand like in the smallest sense of our relationship, I mean, come on, 30 years, we're obviously committed, but that doesn't mean it's always easy. (laughs) And in the, in the smallest sense, and that's probably why we're trying to, he's trying to touch me right now. Why are you trying to touch me? (laughs) (laughs) That's the, the, in the smallest sense, that's basically our relationship. It's like type two, like. Actually, that's even just love language. Like, can you just hug me right now? Jariah does that all the time, too. He walks up randomly and like, can I just hug you? And to me, and especially Isabel, we're like, no, I don't want to be hugged right now. But that's just Enneagram. Okay, stop. Stop sidetracking. So when, in the smallest sense, as a type 8, I'm extremely driven. I know what I want, and I'm a self-persevering type eight, meaning like even more like I'm going to take care of me. People who don't understand me often say like, um, you, you're putting yourself on an island. You always take care of you. And it's true. I do. I always take care of me, but I also have a really big heart. I'll take care of people that that are within my tribe extremely well also. And so you know, if I need to drive from Montana to Florida, I'm going to find a way to, to make it happen. If I need to, whatever needs to be done, I'm going to find a way to get it done. That's probably why it was really easy to have five kids and run a business and all these other things and to move into an RV and to jump on a plane with just a backpack and fly to Norway or to New Zealand or to Bali or wherever we'd go. Like it was easy. I'll find a way. When, when the guy at the airport in Christchurch after I've slept on the floor for three hours at four in the morning tells me I can't go to Bali because I haven't filled out a paperwork and I tell him you're putting me on this plane. Exactly. That's a type eight. They're going to just find a way. And if you're an SP8, you're really going to find a way to make that happen. But if you're a type two, you're literally in constantly uh, 
well, whatever you want. And we eventually we'll talk about the subtypes of Enneagrams, but Victor, of course, is the sexual type two, <laughs> who's all about like, he's like this new sales car of type twos. Like, what is like, that? No, at least no, it's like, like the swarthy guy. Okay, fine, swarthy. But like, I got a car for you. He's always making himself look good. And like, he's trying to be the attractive character of, of um, persuasion. And so in some ways that works good. Okay. Not to say if you work with Victor that he's persuading you to work out or stuff, but he knows exactly, and that's a gift. That's a good thing. He knows exactly like, oh, you know, you don't really like, you didn't sleep much last night. We don't need to bench press. I'm just going to give you these like dumbbell flies to do or something, whatever. Something well, easy. Yeah, I mean, from, that, that's the, his intuitive. Yeah, my intuitive nature knows what to talk about, what pace to have, what energy. You know, this person needs a break. I'm going to have him do a stretch. Like that's just. So he's never going to cause conflict. And then me, on the other hand, conflict is like irrelevant. Like there might be, con- there probably be conflict. There might not, but there's no attachment. Like conflict is just part it's of the pursuit of like to get to the goal of self-preservation. Well, in, in these dynamics, we, we talk about, so let's use the analogy that I was talking about drowning because so Victor and I hit heads all the time because I'm like, I have a goal. I want to achieve it. I want to get there. I want to know where I'm going this year. I want to know what I'm driving. I want to know, I want to just know everything and be in control of all of that part from our travels to our family, to our business. And Victor will be more like, whatever you want, or because his personality goes so much to other people, like, let me help you, and I'm going to look attractive while I help you. Basically, that's code for I'm going to be exhausted most of my life because he expends so much energy in helping or making sure he is vibrating high enough to look good while helping Mm. that he's constantly exhausted. When he's around me, at least. I mean, he doesn't seem exhausted when he's working, but the rest of his day, he has very little energy. We went out, Sunday was the only day we went out, or sorry, Sunday's the only day he doesn't work. And we went out for a beer and I looked at him, I'm like, oh my gosh, if you were like this all the time, I don't think we would fight. But it was already within a few hours of Monday morning. I'm like, you're already tired. Like what's, he, he doesn't have that. And so to me, I have trouble understanding or feeling like complete empathy because I can't put myself in that situation. I'm self persevering. So I constantly have gauges going on in my head Mm, to make sure I always have enough reserves to take on whatever thing might come my way, literally. And so we, we end up hitting heads because of that. Well, it sounds more like, man, you're always drowning. I have these islands, like I can tell you for the next year exactly which islands I want to swim to, how I want to get there, what I want to do on each island. And I'm just looking at him like, guy, I just want you to swim with me. And he's like, hold on, I'm gulping water again. And then on Sunday, his head might get above water for a second. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I love you so much. Okay, tomorrow, can we go swim to, a, to an island? But then he's already drowning again. And so this has cycled for decades of like this feeling of, hey, can you just get your head above water long enough so you could swim side by side with me to an island? And I think a lot of people probably feel like this or are at least in a relationship like this where 
one person, it's just easy for them to keep their head above water and it's easy for them to swim wherever they want. And one person doesn't have that skill set. And I make that assumption based on the fact that like opposites attract for a reason. Sometimes it doesn't seem very clear why that reason is. <laughs> I had to throw that in. That's the yin and yang of life, isn't it? But if you notice that little analogy about yourself, like are you keeping your your head above water easily? If not, honestly, that's like Victor's gift in life. He helps people keep their head above water. Or are you the type that's like swimming so so fast you don't realize that you're drowning along the way? And that might be a totally different scenario. I'm more the type that's like, let's swim to the perfect island. Like, what island are you swimming to? Are you sure that island serves you? Yeah. We could maybe, let's look at your natal chart. Because maybe you're swimming to the wrong island. Or, you know, maybe you could swim to the island more efficiently. That's definitely where I come in and I see life. Like, like that's how I raise my kids. By doing that happier thing, I said, hey, let's, let's build this skill set. Yeah. So you have an efficiency in whatever island. But there was definitely no mindset of like you are not capable. Like, mm. you, like you're we go back to programming. Victor was programmed with the idea that if your head is above water, you should, you should just enjoy it and relax. And maybe there is some space for that. But for the most part, there was no value system built around the fact that you are capable of not living a life of drowning. You have a choice to swim to whatever island you want. But given like the fact that you you naturally give to everyone else, you're going to need to have like extra floaties on your arms in the form of like three times a day breath work. Well, that's work out every day. Only like you have to eat clean. <laughs> everyone is different and everyone is balancing that yin and yang within themselves. It's only recently like, I'm drawn to admit to me what are very yang things. But the problem with that is like, I got all of my like aggression for the longest time out of, you know, lifting weights and jujitsu and like these, these very yang things, but that, that doesn't necessarily fulfill certain parts of people's lives. It's like, well, you might need to be yang in your business and yang in your life and, and, and bring in some yin and balance out that yang force a little bit so that you can have more energy. So if you're using all of this, you're doing intense, if you have a very intense life, well, sometimes intense exercise is probably the worst thing you can do. Now, there is a time and place for that, a little bit, depending on goals. But if you're constantly throwing more and more intensity, that's going to only end up depleting um, your, you know, your kidney chi, right? And then that vital life force that is essential for you to have that drive is completely gone and people are like go through adrenal fatigue and not know what's going on. I'm like, okay, well, you've been drawn to high intensity sports and as well as you're like a high intensity, you know, uh, you're a high level attorney and you've had multiple failed marriages and this is just, a, this is no particular person I work with, but you can kind of see how people have challenges and are worn out and they have chronic disease because they they didn't they can't stand from the outside. So the, the trick is to find that balance within, within each one of us. Yeah, yin and yang for sure. Yeah. And then uh, to finish off, one last thing is uh, it is 2 two twenty two. Um, the portal. The number two represents cooperation and balance. Um, you know, we think of the one 
in numerology is creativity and confidence. And it's really important for us in order to step into this too, even if you're not a, have a one or a two in your numerology, it's just the number one represents that individual. And when we think of the individual, its greatest potential is when it can first have a foundation of creativity and confidence because that's where we find our sense of self. Those are body chakras. It's really Manipura and solar plexus, right? Or sorry, uh, sacral chakra. Sacral chakra is where we, so as I'm saying this, visualize the space right below your belly button as your sacral chakra. Okay, even envision orange for a second. This is our creativity. This is our sense of individuality. This is our vulnerability. This is where our passion, our sexuality, our ability to communicate with our significant other in intimate ways um, really uh, takes hold and becomes healthy and propels us in so many ways. And it's very, very important. This has been ingrained in society to be blocked, to be shut down. Well, just to fit in. Acquiesce. <laughs> and... We are, we are in this dark night of the soul, but right now this 2222 portal is like, is like the first of many things that are going to open up where we can step into something beyond it. But we can't really step beyond into that space when the sacral chakra is blocked because then we become just needy and requiring validation and fearing rejection. And then our egos get over, uh, over uh, prideful. And so... When, when you can take that and then Manipur is acting bold, right? Acting brave, brave being confident. So I am valuable. I am confident. We can step into what the 2222 portal is about, cooperation and balance, where we can look into the community and this idea of the New Earth era and finding... Um, a place where we really see it's more crown chakra here where we see our individuality is so important in the collective and so if you happen to be listening you're not necessarily so awakened to the whole new world order um fourth technolo uh the fourth industrial revolution where we're going to merge biology and technology and you will own nothing and be happy klaus schwab forget it if you are not awake to what that is happening there, be awake at least to, if you want to see this earth transform into something where we can all collectively find our place in the world and not have to constantly um, hide our true selves and we can be our authentic true selves and be accepted for that and truly walk out and try to help each other, then like then you're part of that. Then you are awake, okay? Just because you don't have the label of knowing that like, oh, there's this there's this thing out there that's trying to take over, like control us through the monetary system or whatever. Like the fact is, is like your heart knows that living your life in a grind of debt does not make you happy. And there has to be another way. And the 2222 portal is about stepping into finding the other way, knowing that your community exists out there. And like I said in the meditation, if you don't see that community on your street, in your job, in your city, leave. Be brave. Like walk away. There are tons of communities that will embrace you. I go through cities all the time. 
There are plenty of places out there in the world with like-minded people like you. Don't don't stay stuck. It's it's there's life's too short and things are happening too rapidly to stay stuck in a city that doesn't make you thrive. Awesome. Great job. Awesome. You guys take some time to reflect on that. We gave you guys a ton of information. Until next time.